Welcome along to Crunching Gears, Season 3, Episode 5. We're back after a short break and I'm delighted this evening to welcome along Adam Platt. Adam, you're very welcome. Kevin, thanks for having me. No bother at all. So, Adam, I suppose we, a lot of us will know you from, you know, working in Declan Boyle's car, Patrick O'Brien's car and all, but you have a fascinating backstory there as well. How did you get involved in rallying really in the first place? Um, I guess it kind of started from I was, I don't know, five to ten years old, just going to the service park and out with my dad at the time. He used to um, look after his friend's Mac to escort. Mm-hmm. So I used to go there and he had a 2.1 Pinto. I'd always be passing them the spanners and that. And then over the years, it just progressed. You know, I would learn more and more. And eventually, I was the one under the car spanner checking it and just kind of went from there, you know. So mm-hmm. I've always kind of been from a young age, as far back as I remember, just in a service park doing something or rally cars or tinkering at home. Mm-hmm. Just went on from there, really. Yeah. And you're a Corkman originally, is it? Yeah, Cork originally, West Cork, yeah. Yes. So, um, Kind of West Cork Rally would have been the, the big one at the time. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. yeah, not far from the ring stage, probably four or five miles from the ring stage. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have always been my aim to do the West Cork Rally myself. And later on, I did get to do it. I've done it, I've done it two or three times now and done the West Cork Rally, but never really had much luck. Didn't have, you know, yourself the best of budgets at the time. And yes. trying to late nights in the garage, trying to get the car ready before and that. Uh-huh. No, I finally got to do it a couple of times and, uh, yeah, the, um, I don't know, strange to do it after all them years, but yeah, I would still know the ring stage by the back of my hand. It would still be my home rally. I would class it even though I'm living, uh-huh. you know, the other end of the country now. So Yes. Uh-huh. So, like, you know, you've won from the, the young guy growing up in the servant park. How did you make the, the move then to like, Emsworth? Like, that was your, your more or less, that's what you want from... Just your ordinary day-to-day job to to work yeah. team. Yeah, um, I actually went after after school. I went into uh, panel beating and spray painting. I did an apprenticeship in that. Um, just nine to five job. Done that for ten years. I got up to be the foreman of the workshop in there. You know, just a regular job. Did a lot of rally car kind of work in the workshop. Um, a lot of resprays and stuff like that. So then. Got to know a few more of the rally drivers and bought a few rally drivers in from knowing them from, you know, just you always know your local, your local club members and that. And I started fixing and tidying rally cars up at home then. So it's a bit of a spray booth at home and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, if people often had small bits of damage, they'd come and I'd paint the car for them. And I was doing it from home, you know, in the evenings after work. Um, just kind of stuck in a rough panel beating. Uh, dad, you know, he knew I really wanted to do 
um, cars, rally cars full time. You know, I was just kind of, you know, just doing road cars and I was just getting kind of sick of it at the time. So okay. That actually applied for me to go to M Sport without me knowing. Um, just just texted me one day and uh, he said, I had a phone call today. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, phone call from M Sport. And I was like, right, okay. I didn't really know what it was all about. He said, they want you to go over for um, a trial. And I said, right, how is this coming about? I didn't know anything of it at the time. But, he, um, without me knowing, he'd, he'd applied and he'd literally got, a, you know, thanks very much, we'll take it into consideration, letter back, uh-huh. you know, but he he told me a few times, he'd give it a couple of months, he'd send him another email, another couple of months, send him another email, just persistent. Yes. You know, and later on, I found out once I got into M-Sport that they took me over on a trial just to kind of, Really, as such, you know, to start with that emailing them. So, so I went over in um, end of 2012, beginning 2013 for a trial. I uh, did like three days there building the, the R5 car, just come out the Mark 1 Chaser uh-huh. R5. Yes. So I was working on building them. Um, then I would say by the Thursday morning, I was in Mads Osberg's car going up to Kirkbride where they do the shakedown to practice changing gearbox and differentials. Um, I just kind of really got lucky there. But I worked real hard that week and because of my panel beating background, it couldn't have worked out any nicer for me really because uh, one of the first jobs I got given was fit the sills on a, on a Fiesta and I'd done it fairly quick, all lined up and everything. So then he said, have a go with this was the guy who was over me. He said, have a go with fitting the back bumper on that car. And this was like the first of them, they just kind of developed the car so the back bumper didn't really fit, you know, uh-huh. snug. It was fiberglass and that. So I put it on and I was like, geez, it's just not good enough. It's sticking out from the quarter panels. So I says, mind if I ever go with uh, trying to make it fit better? And he says, no, work away. So got a trestle out, got a ratchet strap around it, got a gun on it, managed to actually bend it into the shape I needed it. Kind of left for a while with the let it cool, put it back on, fitted perfectly. So they said they'd never seen one so good. <laughs> no, just so uh, the next day uh, before I was in Mads Osberg's car sitting going up the road to check gearbox and differentials and yes. kind of went from there really. Um, <laughs> by the Friday morning, I was back on the plane flying back home to tell my dad I'd got the job. Brilliant. <laughs> Unbelievable, wasn't it? Just such a, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. more or less the sort of keep your dad quiet they give him a, give you a trial and then boom, exactly, you've got yeah. the job you know so yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and because of my panel beating background you know yes yeah. it really stood out when i got there it made you know my job that i was doing on the r5 car really suited my trade so yes at the time i was fully qualified in that <laughs> and they were kind of expecting this young lad to come in not have a clue but you know <laughs> i already had a toolbox set up i had everything i needed I rocked up, you know, on, it was on time. I even actually stayed back the nights on my trial. I used to go around the workshop and ask any of the mechanics if they needed a hand at night because I was just staying in a B&B down the road. Yeah, you're going to just pick a bike sat in the What am I going to do sitting in Cumbria, you know, till 8 mm-hmm. o'clock night in the B&B by myself, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, stayed, I think I stayed nearly every night on my trial and fitted lamp pods to cars and, you know, but... It was all kind of stuff that my animating trade really suited, mm-hmm. you know. So I impressed a few people there, which was uh, just worked out nicely for me. And yeah. that was it. I was back home to tell the boss that 
was going to work my four weeks' notice and disappear off England. So just shipping my whole life off over there. Yeah. And like, was was that was that at the time a dream come true for you? Like you know, you you were saying there you were yeah, stuck yeah. in a rock doing what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong, I did love my job. I loved what I did. You know, I was painting some real top end cars, painted, you know, anything from Ferraris to motorbikes, you know, did a motorbike for John McGuinness, done a lot of real nice stuff, you know. Right. Okay. Um I really took pride in the painting side of things. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, but like you grow up thinking it's untouchable M Sport, you know, World Rally team, you know, watched it on TV all my life and next thing was their stuff and I'd love it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was a really yeah. exciting time for them, you know, this new customer car, the R5 Fiesta, like that was yeah. the start of what become known, you know, like M Sport was yes, it was the works team, but they were producing probably you know the the handful of world cars at that time. But this was opening up a whole new avenue for them, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it was a I don't know, probably a car at the time was half the price of a new world rally car, mm-hmm. and it appealed to a lot more people around the world. You know, and yeah. the regulations were kind of changing. They're making it more customer friendly, more affordable for people. Even though for a lot of people it still wasn't affordable, but you know they, they were able to produce 250 or even more, nearly closer to 300 of the Mark One car. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I worked on car number five. I worked back again on car number eight, and that was when we were building them from scratch. And then by the first few, we're still in the workshop, hadn't even gone out to customers yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I got kind of spotted and for the customer team, which was WRC. So I went straight over to them. So I kind of bypassed the R5 build stage. Okay. Um, probably because I was a little bit older than the lads. They tried to keep the younger lads towards the build to kind of train them up. Okay. So I was lucky enough that I was able to go straight onto the customer side of things. So within, I did that few more years uh, under your belt as such. Yeah, that's still, so. yeah, yeah. I was a little bit later coming in, so I had a little bit more experience. Mm-hmm. So I was straight away into testing for the WRC car. So straight off the G test, you know, within a few months of working there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good but at that time you know even the world car side the whole side of the workshop on the left hand side I don't know if you've ever seen the workshop but no. it's just loads of bays you were talking I don't know 16 world rally or RRC cars on the right hand side of the work or on the left hand side uh-huh. and the right hand side was the R5 yeah. but now it's kind of the opposite way around there's very few WRCs and mostly R5s. R5s. Uh-huh. At that time, there was a lot of customers renting and they done the RRC car, yes. which was like a WRC car, basically, with an R5 rear wing and a smaller restrictor. Uh-huh. And then uh, competed in WRC2 at the time. Yes. So uh-huh. I was kind of straight on working with them. Uh-huh. So I worked with lots of different variety of drivers there because every week you'd have a different customer in your car. Okay. So it was also very handy to get to know a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, and work with a lot of drivers that I still talk to today. But it was because of that experience that I was working with multiple drivers, you know. Yeah, I, you weren't just channeled to one person. That was, as you say, exactly, yeah. you, you know, you had so many. You you mentioned Nick uh, Henning Solberg. Uh, yeah. Let's see, mm-hmm. Nick, Nicholas uh, Fuiz. Uh, uh, even Kelly and Duffy there. With the, uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I had to know Killian that, 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 that was the so. first time I had my, my first encounter with Killian. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. I met him. He was sitting uh, at Al- 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 Alkawari. That's the one in, we RRC, <laughs> yeah. uh, in an RRC car. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, 
I worked with Benito Guerra that year, you know, Mexican driver. I got to look after his car in Mexico, which was just, you know, he was the home hero. Oh, yeah. First time in Mexico looking after the home hero. You know, I think he was actually running third overall for the first half of the event anyway. I can't even remember what happened after that. But yeah, um, yeah, he was, it was a good atmosphere out there with uh, looking after the local hero, you know. Yes. Um, Dun Henning in 2014, Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Buffet, you know, um, just so many of them. And the, the 2000, 2014 Buffet had a fantastic result. Was that the year you finished yes, second? Yeah. Uh, second overall, yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was Auger. Auger won the rally. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but we led, we led the rally until, I think it must have been Saturday afternoon until Auger got ahead of him. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I was working on the rear left corner. I remember it. And one of the mechanics actually on the car still works with me now on Declan's car. But, Right. Um, no, we were just thrown into the deep end and we were leading the WRC event straight away, uh-huh. which was good. And then yeah. he finally, he finished second overall. Yeah. But, uh, no, that was a good experience. He was a good driver. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like for you personally too, like that must have given you some buzz too, never mind, you know, like all the, all these yeah. years leading up to it and all of a sudden then you're leading Monte Carlo rally. That's, yeah, you know, I have to be honest, when I was in Monte Carlo, I was... Uh, you know, it was minus three. We were <laughs> working all working all night. The rain was sideways. It was ridiculous. Uh, I was thinking, I don't know, is this for me? <laughs> the time, it worked out good in the end, but yeah. No, we worked that 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 first Monte Carlo was back in the day when we used to move the service park during the night. Okay. So I think we had um we had a real late service on the Friday night, mm-hmm. then early service Saturday morning. And then long day Saturday, and then on the Saturday night it was raining. Service about five o'clock, so you'd service two cars, uh-huh. two forty-five Lexi services, and then you'd have to pack up the whole service park, drive four four hours in a truck down to uh, Monte Carlo itself from Gap, and then uh-huh. set it all back up again for <laughs> eight o'clock the next morning for the cars to come back in all right. for a fifteen-minute service or something. Yes, so it's not all glamour and glitz then. <laughs> No, no, straight away I saw the full reality of, you know, it's not all what you see on TV. But no, uh-huh. no but, um, we came away with second and that was some achievement and then straight into Sweden then, which was another cold one, but uh-huh. as soon as you get to Mexico then and you feel that sun in the morning and it's just uh-huh. unbelievable experience there, then you get uh-huh. to see a bit more of the world and oh, sure. very good. And do, do you get a chance to like, look at the sites when you're there too, like, you know, after the event, you know, do you, um, do you stay on a couple of days sometimes, or you know, the likes yeah, of Mexico, yeah, did you go um, and explore? Yeah, you wouldn't see that much to be honest, Kevin. Um, you would see a lot more if you were on the recce team, maybe. Okay, you know, the I usually was on setup or looking after a car, so okay. recce was I only got to do a few recce's. Okay, um, but no, if you're on the recce team, you get to obviously drive all the stages, see all mm-hmm. the towns. I've seen a good bit of Mexico on that. We had to take the car to, if you're on the customer side, you take the car to a remote shakedown usually, or a remote test on the, the Tuesday before the rally. Mm-hmm. So usually we'd drive the cars out of uh, out of the city. I was going out at the time and drive out into the country. And, yeah. you know, you could drive 10 minutes and it's just back and beyond. You wouldn't, like these people have never seen a world rally car. Yeah. You've never yeah. seen a car, never mind a world rally car. Uh-huh. But just absolute poverty, you just some of the sights, 
you know, stray dogs everywhere. You would and never think it's 10 minutes from a city. You know? No, the, your idea, this, your necessity, like it's probably, you know, as good as Dublin, yeah. London or whatever, and then uh, 10 minutes out oh, the yeah, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're staying in a holiday inn. There's plenty of big shops. You know, you can get a Starbucks on the way to the service yeah. park in the morning. Yeah. Ten minutes away, you would think you were in third world. Jeez. Unbelievable. But yeah, you get to see some sites. Uh-huh. Um, the likes of Australia and that, you'd often, you know, end of the season. So we would often book, you know, delay our flights home or weekends. We were very good that way. So, okay. you know, have a week in Sydney, have a week up uh-huh. um, Gold Coast. You know, okay. Cairns are done done all them so all right yeah. i'll see a good bit of the world don't get me wrong but i've seen a lot of car parks around the world as well. <laughs> a lot of time standing around waiting on a rally car yes and then also in 2014 that was you spent some time with the bentley racing team too as part of am sport yeah that's right yeah um they developed they started developing the car and i think it must have been 2013 they started racing an audi um r8 Mm-hmm. Just to kind of, I suppose, get into the way of how the GT3 worked. So then in 13, I didn't really go near it. I, I done a few bits of the car in the workshop, but in 14, and they asked me to go to Monza, I think it was the first round. So we went there, and then I think it was the second round, must have been Silverstone, if I remember correctly, and we actually won the race. Okay. And then I was kind of like... You know, this is good too. <laughs> I was on the on the pit stop team. I was changing the tires. Okay. You know, a lot of high pressure. And yeah. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed that part of it. I'd say I'd done six, seven races. Okay. In 2014, 15, probably over the two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, just on the pit stop crew, but that was uh, Matthew Wilson. That was looking after that side of the okay. of the business. I would say. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. yeah. And, you know, how did that compare to the rally and, you know, do you get as much of a buzz out of it or maybe, you know, maybe even more relaxed in a way that, you know, well, I suppose it's intense for that, you know, 10, 12 seconds for the change in the wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the the rallying's real intense, but then you have eight hours where you might not see the rally car. Uh The Bentley's going past you every two minutes on the start (laughs) finish line going, you do, you just hear it and... Um, next thing you get a call on the radio after the first corner steering arm broken you know we've made contact as soon as the race begins you're, you're on the uh-huh. yeah you have to wear full flame proofs balaclava a lot and you could be wearing that some of the races 24 hours long you know what I mean yes an uh-huh. hour ring span 24 hour you'd be wearing that for 24 hours uh-huh. and, uh, oh it's tiring stuff definitely uh-huh. you know them guys have to be fit as well uh-huh. I, and like, you could, that could be, you know, you can be in the extremes of weather there too. You could be like two, three degrees yeah, yeah. or 24, 25 degrees. In that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, that some races, the wind's blowing through the garage. It's absolutely freezing. Some races you're in mm-hmm. flame proofs. So, say Australia, now we've done Bathurst a couple of times. Yes. It'll be 40 degrees and you're there in flame proofs. <laughs> Bathurst was a 12-hour race. Oh, so yeah. in 12 hours, two cars, you're pit stopping every hour. So every half an hour you're doing a pit stop if you have two cars. Yes. You're only doing that for 12 hours. And we did, um, I remember Spar 24 hour, we did 49 pit stops in 24 hours. You you just, you wouldn't even know at the time because your adrenaline's going, obviously. But yes, you're, you look at your shins the next day and you know you've been carrying 28 uh-huh. kilo rims around. You know, you carry one in each hand. So okay. They're banging off your shins. Yes. You feel it the next day. You wouldn't really feel it at the time. But no. It's, a, it's an experience, uh-huh. definitely. Yes. 
And then also in 2015, uh, you got the opportunity, I suppose, then to come a wee bit, working a wee bit closer to home. Declan Boyle yeah, was yeah. purchased a Fiesta. One of the first yeah, people right. in that spec of car to, to leave yeah, and yeah. into privateer hands, wasn't it? Yeah, because in um, cause of 2015, they bought out the new car. I was kind of involved in the build of a lot of them cars because uh, I'd kind of established myself on the customer team. Mm-hmm. So I ended up building uh, the car for Lorenzo Bertelli, Martin Prokop, and uh, Robert Kubica. Mm-hmm. So I built, we built the cars, but the car wasn't coming the WRC until Rally Portugal. So I think it was, I don't know, maybe Monza or something for the Bentleys. Had the schedule given to me. I was going just the year doing the pit stops at the Bentley race. And Malcolm come down to me in the workshop and he was like, um, how do you feel about doing a few rallies in Ireland? I was like, no, I'd love that. But how, what do you mean? Like, uh, Declan Boyles, you know, he's got an interest in buying one of these WRC cars. Mm-hmm. I was like, right, he was, would you go with it? And I was like, of course I would, you know. You know, I could stay an extra day and see my parents. You know, that yes. I was seeing once a year at the time, maybe. Yeah, that, okay. If that even, you know, Christmas was the only time you'd ever get to see them. Uh-huh. You know, so I jumped to that opportunity. You know, I said to Malcolm, I says, uh, what about Monza? You know, I'm meant to be going to Monza next week. And he wanted me to fly to Ireland. And I was like, uh, well, he just goes, what would you pick? And I says, rallying in Ireland, obviously. It's <laughs> a no-brainer. So, yes. No, uh, he says, that's fine. So he cancelled my tickets and uh-huh. come back down about half an hour later. Tickets flying into, uh, into Dublin. So right. straight over to go uh-huh. testing with Declan Boyle. Yes. Uh-huh. It was and, uh, Robbie McGrath looking after the car that time. So, uh-huh. so uh, I became uh, pretty friendly with Robbie, to be fair. And uh-huh. I think I came back for most of the season. Uh-huh. Um, we done Donegal Rally in 2015 was the first time. Mm-hmm. First time he had the new car. Um, didn't really have much of a, a setup for it. He had actually gone out the night before and put the car off the road and broke the tail light and that. So mm-hmm. we come over. I had to hand carry a tail light and that in the bag. <laughs> so um, no, we got it. We got it handling pretty well on a test, but yeah. we didn't have much testing time. Um, but he ended up finishing second overall. Yeah. And Gary Jennings yeah. over that year. Mm-hmm. Like, but for Declan, to, you know, it was it, very brave in a way. He stepped away from his 12B, a car that he had become very comfortable with. To, you know, and mm-hmm. this was a completely different setup, wasn't it? Like left-hand drive, you know, the the smaller engine and all that. To come away with second, like yeah. we can't, we can't overlook it. Like that was a, it was a big step and very brave of him to do it at the time, wasn't it? You know, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose he had great success in that uh, S12. I suppose he was looking at it as where does he go next? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, the S12 was just starting to get a bit old, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, he took a big risk going to the 1.6 engine. You know, everyone, you know, they're 300 horsepower on paper, but would the 1600 live with the two litres in Donegal? Mm-hmm. That was the big question, really. And he proved that they you know, could. Like, everybody says, oh, it comes yeah. to Nogala and one thing or another, he's not going to have the same mm-hmm. purge and up the hill. No. Like, yeah, he might yeah. them, you know, but, you know, uh, he went toe to toe with them all, didn't he? And yeah, yeah. I think with a bit more testing time, he could have potentially been a lot closer to Gary, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. But yeah. to get in the car, you know, he, I think, he beat, I think Donna was out that day. Right. There was a lot of two litre cars around him that day. So mm-hmm. he was able to uh, get second without much testing time. You know, it was a real good start for the car. 
for sure, for sure. You know, so um, <laughs> I actually came back and done Sligo a few weeks later with him, and we actually won Sligo. Yeah. Um, we went off from the lead in Galway summer rally after that, mm-hmm. and then he went back and won the harvest the end of that year and again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, he didn't have much luck with it since, to be honest. And yeah. uh-huh. obviously, I came over and started looking after it. I'd always kept in contact with Declan. Mm-hmm. You know, always been quite friendly with the Boyle family since yeah. since then. And mm-hmm. he actually came over in 2016 for Donegal. Okay. And um, with Tom, he had changed from Robbie to Tom. Uh-huh. And um, that was the last rally I did with them. I just did one in 2016. And we went back to the hotel on the Friday night. We were leading the rally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a minute 52 lead. Yeah. And... Uh, it was a Friday night. And oh, no, it was Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah. So I just remember we were sitting down in the hotel bar. Just put a pint in front of me. Their uh, barman and uh, got a text message Declan out from mm-hmm. um, it was another M Sport engineer that was actually looking after Dunn at the time. Okay. I was like, Gee. you know, we'd just seen him on the last stage. Oh, he passed <laughs> Yeah, we'd, we'd been to watch the last stage. So. Uh-huh. He um he broke the gear linkage and pulled in. Uh, I don't know. In hindsight, he was in third gear here. I think he thought the gearbox was broke. Okay. But it was just a gear linkage. We could have actually probably fixed the car unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, probably would have meant flying back to England to get the part that night because okay. in a tight call. But uh-huh. I would say actually, uh, it would have been done if it had to have been done, like, wouldn't it? You know, kind of exactly. Yeah, you do yeah. what you got to do at times like that. But mm-hmm. obviously, it was the only car in the country. It would have been mm-hmm. we wouldn't have been able to just go and get one. You know what I mean? Off somebody else, even yes. compared to the old Fiesta. Uh-huh. It's total difference. Electric hydraulic paddle shift on that car, so mm-hmm. would have been the only one of its kind, you know. Yeah, and also then during that season 2015, uh, Formula One uh, driver Robert Kubica was doing a lot of the world championship events. You were working his car at yeah. the time, too. Like, quite an exciting yeah, driver, um, Robert was. Oh, yeah, Still is, like, you know. So, yeah, yeah and I, I learned a lot from Robert, you know, over the years. Uh-huh. He's uh, his attention to detail. Okay. And the way that man can set up a car is just blowing your mind. You know, I learned learned about a lot of the stuff that I know today because of it. You know. Okay. But um, no, um, M Sport asked me to go look after Robert, so he bought the car brand new in 2015, and then um, he kind of ran the car himself. We did the first event with uh, with M Sport in Portugal, and after that, he ran the car from uh, Poland himself. So me and the engineer just used to fly out to the event, basically, run the car, fly back home. Okay. Um, after a few events, it got a bit more difficult because we were working with um, Italian mechanics. So there was um, me, one of their M Sport contractor, and three Italian mechanics on the car. So there was a fierce language barrier, you know. Okay. But, um, yeah, after probably, I don't know, three, four events, we had a very good way of communicating, you know, you get to know these men when you're with them so much. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, by the end of it, we had a real, really good little tight-knit team and everyone had a job and knew what they were doing. So mm-hmm. uh, it, was, uh, it was definitely a good year. I learned a lot that year from Robert. Uh-huh. Um, for that man to step in a car like that after an accident he had, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it was a big... People didn't realise the seriousness of 
what that meant him stepping back into the rest of the UK, you know? It really must have been, yeah. You, can you think about it? Like, yeah. like it, you know, the, he nearly lost his arm and to step back into a rally car and go as hard as he was going, at, at the, yeah. in your head, never mind nothing else, like, it must, you know, it must take a lot of you, really, doesn't it? You know, so, so he yeah, must be yeah. very mentally Great. strong to do that. Like, you know, the man's hand, he didn't have much strength in us at mm-hmm. all, really. He drove the car, to be fair, basically one-handed uh-huh. a lot of the time. So yes. he had a lot of airplane crashes, as we know. But, uh-huh. you know, he, he had a big moment of oversteer and that you try to correct it with one hand. It's not as easy as, uh, yeah. you know, but the talent and the speed he had was... Just unbelievable. He's, mm-hmm. If he had two hands, I would have no doubt he would have been a world champion. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we had to make adaptions to the car as well. He, the paddle shift had to be moved to the other side. The handbrake was a push system. Oh, you know, yes. the car he got special. He got special permission off the FIA to, to do this. this stuff. You know, okay. to the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it was very unique to him. All these spares would have to be unique to him. You couldn't just go get one off. Off yeah. M Sport, you know, you have to have a backup handbrake that worked the opposite way. Of course, handle yeah. shift on the opposite side. You yeah. know, modified bracket. Uh-huh. You know, a wire extend the wires. It was, uh-huh. it was quite a such a unique thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh-huh. and not easy because it didn't. Even though I worked for M Sport, I was kind of subcontracted to to Robert on that, so we didn't have the full work support either. Okay. You know, if we if we had a, a big service on, we could go and get assistance if we needed it. But yes, we were just kind of thrown out on our own mm-hmm. after this car. Yeah, you just couldn't go and lift the gearbox. If you needed it, you had to go. Oh, and exactly. Robert, Robert had all these. Uh-huh. He had all these own spares on his van. It was a yeah. sprinter van, and we used to turn up. You know, you'd you at M Sport, you'd get a bit of downtime, but with Robert, you wouldn't because. You'd be the one responsible for making sure he had the spare gearbox ready. Okay, sure right. the like ready. Yeah. As soon as you know you saw a bit of drama on the stage, you're building spare bumpers and you're constantly working. But uh-huh. uh, one of the best years ever, just the, the things he could describe when setting up a car and that just his attention to detail was just oh. uh-huh. you know a different world. Yeah, uh-huh. and it, like you know, to have that brain so analytic. Like it's not even that's not even Formula One. That's just something that he has natural ability, isn't it? You know, that's that's yeah, not something yeah, you can yeah. learn. That's just something that's in your no, your bloodstream. Uh, yeah, I think he he left school at a very young age and went karting full time, and then was kind of educated as he was racing. You know, uh-huh. I mean, you could tell he'd been involved in it a long time. You know, mm-hmm. he um he definitely knew how to set a car up. That's for sure. Yeah. Sure. There was times where you know we didn't see eye to eye, and there was times where you know we were you know really appreciated by Robert. You know? Yeah, I remember in uh, Finland one year we um, he absolutely barrel rolled the car in uh, one of the stages, and we went out and it was absolutely wrecked. And we were actually testing in Germany the weekend after, so um, we actually we crashed out on the Saturday of Finland. And then we spent the whole day on Sunday uh, stripping it in the print sports workshop. Uh-huh. So we basically sent the shell back to Emsport on the Monday, completely stripped. And then by the Friday night, I was back in the truck on the way to Germany, totally fixed, you know. So we were uh-huh. testing that weekend in Germany. Uh-huh. And, you know, Robert appreciated it and yes. he gave us all a nice tip each as well, you know, which was good. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, he just handed us a bit of cash each, you know, it was uh-huh. nice to see. 
Uh, yeah, really but it shows you appreciate the effort done, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He appreciated the effort of it, but mm-hmm. you know, when things were good, they were good. When things were bad, he'd let you know, and he'd uh-huh. make sure you made it right. You know what I mean? Yes, I didn't hope the game came like, Yeah, he, it wouldn't happen again if it happened, and you know, he would um, he would make sure the team was right for the next day again. You know, mm-hmm. you were kind of a mechanic, you know, and a team manager as such. You know, the spares. Everything was organizing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mm-hmm. I kind of set me up for where I am today, too. I guess, you know, it was a real thrown in the deep end, but a real learning curve as well. Yeah, it is. It's been proved invaluable, as you say. And yeah, then, sure, yeah. And then in 2016, then uh, Tannock was back in the, the M Sport fold then again, but with the, in yeah. the, the DMAC car, you were helping with yeah, that. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had done a few rallies in a Fiesta before that, I believe, Rally GB and that. And in 2016, DMAC uh, decided they were going to enter the World Rally Championship with a tyre and enter their own car. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got the job of looking after uh, Tanak in the 2015 16 Fiesta. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a, a learning curve as well, really. Mm-hmm. He's uh, an unbelievable talent. You know, but until you get to know him, he's very abrupt. Okay. He'll tell you exactly how he wants something done. If it's not his way, <laughs> you'll know about it. You know? Yes. Okay. But, uh, you know, we, we became good mates towards, you know, as we progressed through the season. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, we had some real, real good results with him. And uh, running on a different tyre to everyone else isn't always the easiest thing, but there'll always be that time where it works to your advantage too. You of course, know? yeah. Uh-huh. Um. It wasn't easy. We were kind of outsiders again because we were on a different tire, and yeah, because you had nothing to compare it with. Then you couldn't compare. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. We done a lot of tire testing that year as well, so you were constantly on the road as well. You know, right? Um, the tarmac tire, you turn up with a new tire that they've just developed. You may have never driven on it before. You know, okay. Um, yes. You know, you'd go do the test a couple of weeks before the rally. You'd learn from the test, right? notes of the improvement of the tyre and then mm-hmm. send it to um, to DMAC and they'd come up and land up with a tyre for tarmac that, you know, you're arriving in Monte Carlo that you've never tested before. Okay. So it was definitely a learning experience, you know. Yes. Uh-huh. But, um, but like that must have been fascinating uh, from your, from, you know, from your engineering side of things to be able to provide that input to make them differences as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You learn a lot as well from you know, being at them tire tests and learning from the, mm-hmm. the feedback, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a lot different than just turning up and, you know, doing a setup on a car. You're doing a setup that's mm-hmm. for a Pacific tire. It's not a run of the mill setup that, you know, the rest of the M Sport team would have developed on their test. We yes, may have you, to go with something slightly different because it uh-huh. wouldn't work. Yes. With your tire, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, once again, you're, you know, we were different from the rest and we were trying different things and, you know, we were kind of independent as such between me and, and the chassis engineer. You know, you'd be doing two or three different geometries in the workshop. You know, after the shakedown, you might change the geometry. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of extra work and little bits and pieces involved in it, you know, that people actually wouldn't see so much. Yes. But, um, no, it was a good year. We had a... We had a near victory which would have been the first victory for Ford since I think 2012 mm-hmm. um, we were in uh, Poland 2016 so I think 
think he went into the second last stage with 33 second lead mm-hmm. and uh, he got a puncture from the, it was the front rise, took the brake pipe out and ended up losing the rally to uh, uh-huh. Nicholson at the time. Yes. But um, you'll actually see there's quite a lot of pictures around when Ogier was holding Tanak up on his shoulder. Set him up on the shoulder. Uh-huh. Exactly, yeah. 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 And I suppose that kind of led on to their partnership in 2017 then with yeah. Ford, but uh-huh. you know, they, they developed a good relationship then and you know, we didn't win, win the rally that day, but Everyone he, knew that uh, he, he, was a, he, he, uh, he was a deserving one and really wasn't he? You know? yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, uh-huh. He was robbed of it, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he finished second in the end still. But, yeah. you know, but to, to, gain, stages, uh, but no to, uh, to gain the respect of Ogier, who, you know, exactly, yeah. was out there to grab every point for himself, you know, for Ogier to do that like, was unbelievable, wasn't it? Really, you know, that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows the mark yeah, of Ogier no, as uh, well, as much as Tanak, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, good sportsmanship as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think he could see the potential in Tanak, and mm-hmm. I suppose this was at the early days of his speed that he now has, you know, as well. He's, uh, mm-hmm. he's won a world title, obviously, since, but he yeah. can definitely challenge the mm-hmm. top boys, you know. Yeah. And the place to do it, it's nice to look on the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know... As much as anything else in, in a rally car, I think confidence is a, a huge part of it. And, you know, for him that day, his confidence was up at, a, you know, maybe a whole new level for him. And it maybe showed him, I, I know I deserve to be here. I can do this, you know. And for Roger then to, it must have lifted his confidence even more again then, you know, that show of confidence yeah, in Roger yeah. as well too, isn't it? You know, so. Yeah, yeah, I think we've seen that into 2017. He was straight on the... Mm-hmm. And the attack with Ford, you know, mm-hmm. the, the one three at yeah. uh, Monte Carlo 17. So, right. he, the, um, no, he's definitely a serious talent. Yeah. And going into 17, that's, you know, these brand new regulations, you know, these new cars, like, like it must have been like such an exciting time. Like, these cars, you know, yeah. we've seen now in the last few years, like, there's probably never be anything like I don't say that. Maybe these new cars in six months' time will be every bit as spectacular. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this yeah. was way, such a huge step from what we'd seen to, you know, from yeah. the end of 16 into 17. They were like spaceships almost, you know, these big wings, aero, yeah, yeah, such yeah. a huge yeah. part of it. Yeah. Like, what was that yeah, like for you? Now, <laughs> uh, you still see it now and you think, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you look back at yeah. 15 car, if you see one now, but uh-huh. no... Um, I remember when we were building them and putting all these carbon bumpers together and <laughs> in the front bumpers, 52 pieces of carbon individually, you know, and you now it's, uh, it was definitely a major change in regulation, but uh-huh. what, what a car. And I don't think we'll see anything like that again. I don't know. It's like the, uh-huh. the modern day group B cars, I guess, but oh, sure. Oh, sure. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure from what we're seeing of the new cars, they'll be, uh-huh. Just as spectacular, but I think uh-huh. you know, aero wise and everything, will it ever be as spectacular as 17? Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. And like, you know, for you to be there, you know, whenever you've seen the first throne of that, were you stunned going, but how is this ever going to work? You know, like compared to what we've seen previous to, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, um even the development car, you know, it was M Sport always kind of start off with a mule car and it was the 15, 16 car, you know, and they started adapting all this aero onto it and you see it slowly ch- changing and uh, transforming into the new car. And as usual, before Monte Carlo, it's always a lot of late nights trying to get the cars ready. And uh-huh. I think it must have been about half one in the morning by the time we got Elvin's car onto the 
right. onto the truck ready to go, you know. Um, I usually drove the truck to the rallies, but we would work that many hours that I couldn't even drive the truck, you know. So someone else had to take it, but uh, no, it was a lot of takeaways on the counter and in sport. Yes. And to get Sebastian Auger to come to the team that year as well, like what yeah. what kind of left did that give them whenever you hear that like that how many yeah, just massive. Uh -huh. yeah like you know I guess you could say you know they hadn't won a rally since 2012 uh -huh. it was just kind of monotonous we were just kind of turning up and being close but not not getting victories and uh -huh. to be have a driver line up with Ogier Tanak and Evans uh -huh. definitely lifted the whole place massively you know yes and um, but it put a lot of pressure on at the same time too because you can't have a world champion turn up and give him something that's not capable of uh, producing the goods you know mm -hmm. no um no it was really good uh, OJ made come to the test he made a lot of good development to the car mm -hmm. even you know everything was stepped up to another level yeah. even the service equipment service area everything was spruced up and that was because of him you know he um mm -hmm. He didn't let anything go without being seen. He picked up on every little detail. You know, you could see why he was the world champion. You know, little bolts, if there were two, three threads too long, he'd ask you, why is that there? You know, you have to cut it back flush and, yeah. you know, carrying this extra weight for nothing and just uh, a different level. Oh, isn't that uh, crazy, you know, when you think of it? But that's the, that's the difference, isn't it? You know, that's, you know, that's... Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's the difference until, between world champion and been not being a world champion, isn't it? Really? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't think, but I guess all them little things add up. But mm -hmm. his attention to detail just until you've actually worked with him, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't believe his attention to detail and the unseen effort that goes in as well, I guess, you know. Yeah. Even Julian, you know, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in WRC, he would have the time uh -huh. to come and have a chat with you in the mornings and that, but what a professional, you know, everything yeah. he done. You know, they would spot things on a recce that no one else would spot. Yes. You know, spot things on a test, you know. Mm -hmm. Little detail inside the car was just, you know, they took it to a whole other level. I, like, uh, I was listening to Bex's podcast with Julian there and saying, you know, about after the first test, he, he, he produced like a five-page report for M Sport. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. They had never seen nothing like this before, you know. So as you say, it's just yeah. the wee things like that that, just make the difference, I suppose, really, at the end of it all. Yeah, there was mm -hmm. just no room for a mistake. Just everything had to be right. And mm -hmm. Pressure mm -hmm. was on before Monty 17, for sure. And, mm -hmm. and, as, you say, the rally. and like, as you say, come and spoke to you even before, you know, we started every morning. But like, to, yeah, yeah, that would make you want to perform too, because this guy appreciated you being there. So mm -hmm. you want that extra mile in to, to do yeah, your best exactly, for him yeah. too, don't you? you know, so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just an absolute legend, Julian. Is every morning he would come up, uh -huh. you know, and he would shake your hand, and he wouldn't just shake your hand and disappear. He would say, you know, what you go out for dinner last night? Where'd you eat? Or, you know, he'd really, you know, take Think his time. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, you'd want to produce the goods for that man, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, he became a friend in the sport, and mm -hmm. he wasn't just, uh, you know, a co-driver. You know, you see over the years. Don't get me wrong, they're all brilliant and they all respect mm -hmm. you and Julian, he just went to a different level, you know. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And then, you know, like uh, that year, like a dream for M Sport really, wasn't it? Like to be part of that, you know, 
yeah. as you say, going from 2012 without a one to all of a sudden being, you know, the team. Yeah, yeah. No, the at the start of 17, the car was really, really good, and it took a while for the opposition, I guess, to catch up. You know, mm-hmm. um, they were getting closer all the time, but M Sport were still developing, and you know, 17 was just one of them years that you'd look back on for a long time, and you know, you wouldn't change it for the world. You know. Uh, Mm-hmm. When we won um, Rally GB with Elvin, his home yeah. rally, and we're standing up on the roof of that car as you know, <laughs> on that day in Wales, home rally, Victor, we won the their uh, manufacturers and the drivers' titles. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think all in the, your yeah. home country, yeah. M Sports home country, I should say, really. But uh-huh. you know, I think Hollywood just, couldn't have wrote a better story. Like, Elvin crossed the line, won on his home rally, you know, in front of exactly. his own people. Uh, yeah. Tannock followed him across the line, manufacturers, manufacturers title, you know, yeah. and then yeah. uh, OJ's OJ next across. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, have, you, have just, you seen it in a film, you wouldn't have believed it, would you? you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you just, you couldn't have wrote the script any better. It's uh-huh. just, yeah. like, it will never, ever happen again, I would imagine, that oh, uh-huh. the whole man will win his first WRC event. Mm-hmm. You know, the home team will secure manufacturers yeah. and they'll also secure their first driver's title and all do it mm-hmm. all on the same day yes. in their own country. You know, you just mm-hmm. not going to see it again. I don't think all the stars will align again mm-hmm. for that even, you know. And the, that you looks know, good for next year, but uh-huh. I can't see it all aligning like that. Oh, but, you know, we, we you spoke there about like, Evans won this first uh, World Championship event then GB. It comes so close to a few months earlier in Argentina, and they, yeah. it clipped the bridge in the last stage, or whatever, and it lost out by point seven of a second. But maybe it was written in the stars that, that you know that, that it wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be GB, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, you know that heartache in Argentina made uh-huh. GB even more special. Yes. Okay, I'm sure you know Elvin wanted his first win. You know, uh-huh. we wanted our first win. Uh-huh. Yeah, Dmac wanted their first win. Everybody wanted their first win. Uh-huh. You know, in Argentina, it was hard to take seven tenths of a second. I think it was, yeah. I don't know, at the time, third closest WRC finish in history. And mm-hmm. so, um, that event definitely wasn't simple. Um, I think Elvin was leading the event on the Friday night. Okay. About 52 seconds, I think. Right. Uh, I don't know, we had a 45 flexi service in the car and uh, about 10 minutes to go. You know, the last job always bleak the brakes, you know, um, Elvin, you know, he always demanded that his brakes be bled. It was kind of a run-of-the-mill job, you know, with yours. Mm-hmm. So we were just bleeding the brakes. I was pumping the pedal and just nothing. And the engineers were telling me there's air in it. I was like, there's, there's no air in it. You know, we're not getting any air. There's no pedal. I said, the seals are gone in the cylinder. Uh-huh. How can the seals be gone? And I says, no, this, I'm telling you now, the seals are gone. Right. So pumped. Ten minutes, we could achieve nothing. So um, we made the decision to take the car to the park firm with no brakes. Okay. So we took it on the Friday night with no brakes, the park firm with a lead of 52 seconds in a rally. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was probably one of the longest nights of my life. Yes. Uh, we went back, we had a bit of a meeting about it. Um, all the engineers, Brembo engineers, everybody uh-huh. had a look through the data. And sure enough, there were seals gone in the, in the front hand. A little bit in the rear cylinder, but the front cylinder had completely failed. Uh-huh. So, um, so uh, basically, we had to make a decision. 
of do we try and fix this in a 15 minute service the next morning because we were leaving the rally we had no choice we just we had to do it like retiring wasn't an option so okay um malcolm pulled me to the side and he says right we need to practice this i says right so i got a pedal box and all on the bench and he says no we need to we need to actually bolt this down and represent it what it would be like in the rally car uh-huh. we bolted it to the far side of this big metal bench and uh, he actually made me lean over the bench <laughs> so I was at full reach to replicate like leaning over the door bars in the rally car yes. and he stayed with me for a couple of hours until I could get it down to under 10 minutes so we ended up modifying spanners and that and you know shaving them down to get them thinner so they'd go onto the, onto the connectors a bit easier and I think we got it down to seven minutes on the bench <laughs> to do a change of the cylinders. Yes. But obviously the next morning we had to bleed the brakes also. Uh-huh. We also had to change the calipers and the handbrake as well. So um, no, it was kind of a mental job, but uh-huh. then we done it in nine minutes the next morning. And uh, we managed to get the brakes bled, uh-huh. um, change the rear calipers and change the handbrake car left service and we even took two calipers in the car just in case <laughs> and then about 10 litres of brake fluid for Elvin to change if the problem came back yeah so, um no unfortunately the problem did come back on the Sunday okay uh, we flushed out all the fluid but uh-huh. still to this day we don't we don't know what caused it okay. this day but uh-huh. uh, fluid must have been contaminated or something right so yes um he lost the brakes actually on the Sunday and when I collected the car from the park, the park for me after he hit the bridge on the on the power stage, you know. Uh-huh. I don't know, I only lost the rally by seven tenths of a second because yeah. the pedal was just going to the floor. Right. A complete soft pedal again, but uh-huh. you know, to go from a 52 second lead to losing a rally by seven tenths of a second. Uh-huh. You know, if the rally was a, if the rally was a kilometer shorter, we probably would own it. Yes, but there was no, a kilometre longer, he may, you know, may never even finished, you know, too. Yeah, so. yeah, mm-hmm. they hit that iconic bridge as well, you know. Yes. <laughs> Indiana Jones bridge, I think it was. <laughs> um, it was in the movie Indiana Jones, so uh-huh. see him hit that and then lose the rally. Oh, As yeah. you say, I guess it made GB all the more special that day, but, uh-huh. yeah. you know, mm-hmm. at least he won us in front of his whole family and everything there and his home crowd, so. Yes, it would have been uh-huh. a, not the same, I guess, winning it in Argentina, but yeah. you know, very hard to take at the time. Oh, I can imagine, I can imagine, yeah. And then for 2018, then, like uh, Red Bull become more involved with the team and all. Tannock had moved on to Toyota, and it was yeah. uh, OJ and Evans then stepped up to be the second driver and Timo yeah. Sund, and then and the, another Sund fantastic then, yeah. year, another fantastic year for for OJ, another title. Yeah, another title. Uh, I wouldn't say it was. As plain sailing as 2017, the opposition had got a bit closer to us, but mm-hmm. Auger, you know, he's a complete champion. He just pulled it out the bag again. The car mm-hmm. was still a very competitive and, you know, I still believe the car is still, you know, a very good car, you know. Yes. Um, obviously, they've concentrated their development towards the newer car now, but mm-hmm. the car is still very good, especially on the tarmac, you know, and um, oh, he pulled the win out the bag again and Across mm. the line in Australia, we actually all went down to the to the last stage and seen him come around the last corner to uh, to win his um, uh-huh. world title again, which is something never forget. And then we had a podium at the end of the power stage. It was just 
good year. I think, I don't know, I think in the two years we had like 20, 21 podiums mm-hmm. in uh, 2017, 18. So, yeah, no, it was definitely a, a good year, 2017, 18. And uh-huh. With Red Bull, you know, we were back at the top. You know, Volkswagen had left, you know, M Sport now had Red Bull, had OJ, we were mm-hmm. the world champions, you know. Yeah. It was just uh, some of the years you'd never forget, you know. Yeah, like we're, you know, we're, going, we're going to look back now in 10 years' time, and that is going to be another golden era of rallying, isn't it? You know, these, yeah. you know, as you say, almost Group B type monsters, you know, like I do, mm-hmm. you know, I do think this is going to be a, a very special time when we look back. And it must be for you to look, be able to look back and say, I was part of that, you know, it must be an, a lovely fella in your cap too. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, have some of the photos here and that from them days when we won rallies and you don't really look at them, uh-huh. you know, think very much of them at the minute, but I guess in 10, 20 years, when you look back at it, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be like now looking back on the Group B days and, That's it. you know, uh-huh. some very big names in rallying and, mm-hmm. you know, big sponsors, world championships. Yeah, I was definitely something very proud to be a part of, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, you know, yeah, you looked to earlier there, you know, Julian being the consummate, consummate professional that he is, you know, took you out and, you know, that after one in, in uh, Australia and took you out and took you in the helicopter tour, wasn't it? No, around Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he. We actually went to the the gala. There's like a gala in Sydney. Oh right, yes. At the end of at the end of uh, each season. So we went in 2017 and 2018. Me and a few of the mechanics, Rich Milner, you know, the press officer. There was mm-hmm. I don't know, a group of uh, twelve of us maybe went to the gala at the end of the year from sport, You know, mm-hmm. tuxedos, the full works. You know, real glamour. And yes, um, we were just there. And Julian says, "What are you doing tomorrow?" And I was like. Don't really know. We're, we're in Sydney for a couple of weeks. We're just going to take each day as it comes, you know. Uh-huh. He says, um, he gave us an address and just says, come here in the morning at eight o'clock. <laughs> we were thinking, geez, I don't know, will we be up at eight o'clock? He says, oh, trust me, you want to come. So uh, sure enough, me and one of the other mechanics um, who was with me there, he, we got up, we got on the tube and we went down to uh, this address and sure enough, there was a helicopter waiting for us. It was actually the it's actually the WRC helicopter that they use for chasing uh, the cars the day before at the rally, uh-huh. you know, the uh-huh. WRC pilot and all, and uh, Julian had spoke to him that day and arranged this trip for us, so, you know, basically we had this helicopter for the day in Sydney and go wherever we want. Uh-huh. Uh, we went up nearly all the way back up to Coffs Harbour again, actually, and took us to this uh, golf course and big vineyards and just had the most unbelievable deal you could ever think of, you know, just yeah. Michelin star and uh-huh. really looked after us, you know, yeah. and then took us back down through yeah. Sydney, mm-hmm. flying around the Opera House, you know, Harbour Bridge. Just, you know, what a guy he just, mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect that from anybody, but that's how much he, he put back into it, you know, he yeah. appreciated what we'd done for him. Oh. And the, at this stage, they were already leaving, weren't they? Like, so, you know, it wasn't that, you know, was that oh, yeah. that's a lift the guys for next year or whatever. They were, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they'd already announced they were back, going back to Saturn again at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Time. And, you know, if I seen him now, he would still chat away to me. You know, yeah. he's just a genuine guy. But, uh-huh. um, no, even that nice, you know, we used to have these big chalets in, uh, in Australia. He'd rather be there playing cards and drinking and messing about with us, with the mechanics, uh-huh. than 
he would be out having a meal with the rest of them, you know. So right. <laughs> he was he, even to the day he left, he was there partying with us uh-huh. right till the end, you know. He yes. he much preferred to hang around with the mechanics and be a part of the team and mm-hmm. then you know, do the you know, yeah. the media and going out for meals with the, mm-hmm. um, yeah. The sponsors you know, and all this he, kind of uh, he just wanted to be exactly yeah, he just wanted to be one of the lads and mm-hmm. once he took off that helmet, that was it. He was uh uh-huh. Just one of the guys, you know, but a total professional when he put it on. But yeah. you know, he um, he enjoyed himself as well when uh, yeah. when the he was in the car. Exactly. Yeah. Always the, the last round of the season, you know, seventeen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, some great photos and some great memories of them in times too. Yeah, absolutely. And like also at this point, you'd kind of decided, you know, it was time for you maybe to take it to take a wee step back, and you decided you want to go move nearer home and set up in your own yeah was it just yeah. you know, been constantly away from home all the time that was I suppose that's yeah. okay for a few yeah. years but you can't do it forever can you so. yeah yeah as I said before it's you know people see the glamour side of it and there is a glamour side to it but there's a lot of days there isn't that much glamour a lot of long hours in airports mm-hmm. you know I think probably spending 250 nights of a year in a hotel room you know so mm-hmm. I don't think it's something you could do forever um, I'd always, my plan always had been before I ever went to M Sport was, you know, I wanted to run my own rally team, you know, that was always the the goal at the end of it, I would say, but mm-hmm. uh, 2018, we'd won another title with M Sport, you know, unless I went deeply down the engineering side of things towards engine engineering and that, et cetera, but, you know, for me, it was time to maybe make a move back home and do my own thing. But mm-hmm. I'd kept in touch with um, the likes of Declan Boyle and that, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, he, um, he decided that, you know, if I came back, that he would let me look after the cars for him. So okay. uh, there was nothing else to really achieve. You know, 2019, it was the same car again. Okay. You know, we don't have the new regulations again until 22. Mm-hmm. You know, the learning had kind of stopped. We kind of, you know, had kind of achieved what I wanted to achieve out of it. So mm-hmm. moved back to um, to Donegal and started running Declan Boyle's cars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we started the 2019 season, first round Galway. Got the cars ready over the Christmas, rebuilt the cars and was ready to go for Galway in 2019. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, to come back... And I think Declan got his eyes opened how methodical you were. Like, you know, the, the world car was completely struck down. Every last yeah. nut and bolt was taken out of the car. And, uh, basically a new car the time you had finished, was it? Yeah, um, I don't think he was expecting to, to go to that extent. But uh-huh. he came in one day, like I'd only been there, I don't know, a week maybe, and there was just a floor pan and a cage sitting in the workshop. <laughs> the rest of it had been cut away. And, um, you know, it had a few hits and that there's a bit of filler in places and uh-huh. my mind was we get it back to its full glory and get a lot of weight out of it okay i think we actually got nearly got to 90 kilos out of the car by the time it was rebuilt uh-huh. you know, and uh, we've done a, a lot of work on setup wise and mm-hmm. you know could hopefully give him a tool that was able to win rallies you know yes it also yeah and at that stage, it also got an R5, which probably fair to say it didn't really take to too well. But like even then, no. Dunante, like Donegal, 
like phenomenal mm-hmm. performance against you know Craig Bring and Sam Moffat, you know, leading yeah, at the end yeah. of the first day. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure Declan won't mind me saying, but you know, he's he's not as young as the other two guys. Craig Breen, mm-hmm. we know how good he is. Like, you know, he's yeah. he's going to be part of the M Sport team next year. To be, you know, to yeah. be up there competing, never mind leading them two guys was an outstanding performance, really, wasn't it? You know, so yeah, we we put a lot of testing time in and we had done a every rally kind of leading up to Donegal, yes, you know, you saw every everything around Donegal is aimed at Donegal. Towards Donegal, yeah. <laughs> every, every rally was kind of a test towards Donegal. So uh-huh. we were developing the setup throughout the season, you uh-huh. know, to climax with yes. the engine rebuilt before Donegal. We had everything aligned so that we'd be going to Donegal with our, you know, at our full potential. Yes. So, um, yeah, we've got the engine rebuilt. I think we've done one rally, which may have been maybe the Circuit of Monster before. Donegal as a bit of a test with the new engine just to make sure we had no teething issues or anything. So okay. everything kind of was aimed at, you know, max attack for Donegal. Uh-huh. Um, I suppose that was kind of the re- main reason that I went there to look after the car too, you know. Mm-hmm. He wanted to win Donegal. It was the thing that meant the most to him, you know. Yeah, the Holy Grail almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, very good first day in Donegal, leading the rally. I think, I think the gap was nine tenths or something at the end of yeah, day it was, one. It was not really yeah, real, good, real good fight, you know. But <laughs> the stages on Friday were kind of it could have been anywhere, you know what I mean. Whereas if we would have got into Saturday and got onto the roads that he knew, mm-hmm. I'm sure we would have, you know tried to pull away a bit hopefully that was the plan anyway to kind of we didn't actually expect to be where we were on Friday it just kind of ended up there which was uh-huh. a pleasant surprise yeah. but you know yeah. we were really aiming at making um, our mark on Saturday you know okay. we got to knock out and that etc but mm-hmm. you know, the Saturday didn't go as we planned yes. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think the first stage was cancelled and then we lost yes. uh, 28 with a puncture on the second stage uh-huh. And I was like a red cloth to a bull, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's all or nothing then, you know. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, he went off, made a small mistake, and he paid a heavy price for it. The car yeah. was completely uh, destroyed, really. So, uh-huh. and like you know, to start again, though, that like there must be a huge work to you know start stripping it all down and rebuild it back to the way it was again. Like, is that something you enjoy getting? You know, getting back and you know stripping it back to what it was and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I'd had my fair share of experiences with Kubitzer and that in 16 yes. and Tanak. Yeah, uh, Kubitzer and 15, Tanak at 16. You know, I'd had a lot of re- big rebuilds in short periods of time. So, yes. So, we uh, we actually were going to go to, I think it was Sligo was on the weekend after or two weekends after. Yeah, a few weeks on that. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we were, we were aiming to be in Sligo, no different, you know. Uh-huh. Um, we, I think by the Sunday we had the roof and everything cut off the car. We were fully, full steam ahead to get it fixed. You know, uh-huh. obviously things didn't work out as to plan, but yes, um, with COVID and that, Aye. car was rebuilt and it just mm-hmm. kind of sat there ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, like for Dick and them to come back for the harvest there a few weeks ago here in Donegal, and like mm-hmm. to step back and. For a man that hadn't sat in a rally car for basically me, what a year and a half, and to step in and go as hard as he did against yeah, guys, yeah. you know, the likes of the Moffats and these guys and Divine, that 
who had been had done four or five six rallies up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, unbelievable yeah. again. You know, so yes, it's a one yeah, car, yeah. yards and another five, but mm-hmm. th- they weren't huge power stages either. You know, it was it was technically yeah, yeah, technical yeah. stages as well, yeah. weren't they? You know, so. Yeah, very muddy, wet conditions too. So it would have really suited the lesser power R five car as well, you know. So mm-hmm. no, um, it was we weren't we weren't really going originally. It was going in a polo, mm-hmm. uh, renting a polo. So we actually just done a test. He texted me. We went down. We done a test just to get him back in the seat of of a rally car. Oh, uh-huh. You know, there was no plan to go in the WRC car. Right. It was just the only car that was sitting there ready to go. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, you know, in hindsight, if we knew we were going, we would have done a lot more prep on the car. Mm-hmm. You know, the brakes, you know, everything had been parked up two years, a bit of the electrics, you know, starting to fail towards the end of the rally. He lost the paddle shift and stuff like that on the car. So mm-hmm. um, he didn't even launch. He had no launch for the last loop either, you know. Right. And the centre console in the car had uh, given up. Just, I guess, maybe a bit of moisture in it for sitting about for two years doing okay. nothing, you know. Yes. Um, but no, we got we went for a test, and I think it was the Thursday before the harvest rally. Uh-huh. Um, I needed a few parts for the car, so we were waiting for them. We went out on the Thursday. It was a wet morning in Donegal. I went out and kind uh, of just had a setup on it we had ran before Donegal uh-huh. um, internationally. You know, so we went out and the car ran perfectly on the day and. Got a text off Declan later, and he just says, uh, "Just take that car back to the workshop just in case." And I was like, "Oh no, what's going to happen here?" And <laughs> this was the Thursday night, <laughs> and uh, you know, so uh, sure enough, I got the call Thursday night that we're going to go in the world car. He just, you know, because he'd been out the car for so long, and yes, you know, I guess it was kind of a comfort to go in something that he knows rather than something that he didn't know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he for sure he didn't think. He'd be able to do what he did, and mm-hmm. after he was nearly two and a half years, I guess, out of the car, but you know, when he was straight back on the pace, yeah. I think he was three seconds after stage one, which is, mm-hmm. you know, remarkable, really. That is for sure, for sure. And also, then, you know, a wee bit closer to your workshop there now, uh, Patrick O'Brien, you know, like mm-hmm. a young guy that we, I think, you know, anybody who didn't know the talent he had, I think the Bushwhacker highlighted that for a lot of people, didn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, uh, it was phenomenal performance they put in there, wasn't it? Him and the brother, yeah, he's a, he's a super talent to be fair to him. Um, I'm very got very friendly with the O'Briens and that since I moved up here, so mm-hmm. um, you know, they were a big part of me probably coming up here as well, you know, and helped me out a lot back then and during COVID and that. And um, just kind of had he got this opportunity through his sponsors. Always wanted to do the bushwhacker in an R5. He hadn't had much luck, really. I guess he had the pace in the Evo, but never really had the luck to go with it. But mm-hmm. we got a, we managed to hire a car, so I went on board with it and we did a day's testing on the, I think it was the Friday before the rally. Mm-hmm. We finally got the car where we needed it and went out testing, and then no, oh, he just pulled it out of the bag. He unbelievable drive, really. I'd say he could, you know, he could go far if he had the budget and the sponsorship to do so. But mm-hmm. you know, that's not easy to get. But no, unfortunately, not the sponsorship for that rally, and he was able to produce the goods. So yeah. hopefully, you know, he can 
do a bit of work, get a bit of sponsorship and get out in it again, you know. Mm-hmm. And like for anybody that hasn't seen that NCAR from the Bushfighter, you know, it's it's oh. <laughs> It's scary in places, but like you know, the the commitment, you know, um as an as a Craig Breen always talks about throwing your balls up on the dashboard, like Patrick definitely had them up on the dashboard that day, didn't he? You know, so yeah. No, um the work that he puts in behind the scenes is something that I haven't witnessed in you know, since WRC days. He the detail in the notes, the detail they put into the videos, you know, of the recce, you know. Mm-hmm. Even Steve and his co-driver, the effort they put in is just second to none. You know, yeah. if they get it right on the day, they'll be hard to compete with because they're that prepared. You know. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and you know they want the, the Ulster. The unseen work is massive. Uh, and the Ulster, probably, you know, was a, an unfair reflection on their talent. You know, the the car just seemed to yeah. just didn't just just didn't work on the day, did it? Really, you know, there'd be issues with the car yeah, all day, no. more or less. You know, so. Yeah, so yeah, yeah this, this is the problem when you hire cars, too. You don't know really what you're getting, and you get the car a couple of days before the rally. And mm-hmm. you know, we um, we had a few teething issues with it. We lost the steering rack, we had a misfire. Eventually, the pop off valve failed on the car. Mm-hmm. You know, everything went wrong on the day that could have gone wrong, and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, it's another opportunity. And yeah. for sure, that his tarmac experience wouldn't be as great as his gravel, but. I've been in the car with him on tarmac, and you know, if he gets it right on the day, he'll be up there. There'll be something there, yeah, for sure, for sure. And looking forward now to 2022, um, is the your books filling up well for 2022? You're excited for the new season? Yeah, um, you know, there's a few customers talking about doing rallies next year. Obviously, it's hard to know until we see what's going to happen with uh-huh. you know COVID and everything. Hopefully, everything stays as planned. But the mm-hmm. calendar was released there, so there's plenty of people talking, and we should see the boils out for most of the season anyway. I would uh-huh. hope so. Yes, and um, probably see Michael out again, and maybe even Matthew might make an appearance. You know, the younger son yes. is now um, uh-huh. at the age where he could be uh-huh. getting Looking the car. So yes, mm-hmm. hopefully, we'll see him at some point during the season. So, no, um, we're in talks with a few people here. so uh-huh. Looking at doing the forestry, national, Irish, and maybe some BRC rounds. So oh, hopefully it goes ahead. Yes. And, you know, uh-huh. the plan, but it's yes. early days. Yes, we'll see what it brings in the, I suppose, after Christmas. Hopefully the phone will start ringing, people looking uh-huh. to go to Galway, but it won't be long, won't be long coming. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, right. So well, that's, you know, we'll have a wee quick fire round here just to finish it all off. And mm-hmm. once again, really appreciate you taking the time here. but. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No so we'll go with this then. Your all-time favourite rally car. Oh, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be rude if I didn't say the 2017 Fiesta WRC. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, you know, 99 Impreza S5, S6, you know, that's probably yes. my favourite car of all time. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, the, um, the one car you haven't worked on yet that you would love to, you know, be involved in? Um, I'd like to get um, hands on that Toyota, um, the 2017 Toyota. Actually, uh, yeah, there was one point I could have gone down that path of going that route, but uh-huh. not to, I'd like to get my hands on that. Um, you know, the the Volkswagen from the OJ era would be a mm-hmm. nice car to you know, like to see how 
they went about uh, their suspension and stuff that year would be a nice mm-hmm. nice bit of learning in that yeah. I would imagine one driver you'd love to work from from any era well, probably Colin McRae I would say mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be the easiest to work with but definitely he's uh, probably one of the heroes I would look back on and he was just you know, it was all or nothing. Mm-hmm. I suppose I liked his attitude, the way he uh, went about things. Yes. <laughs> and what's been the best roadside fix you've seen it, like a crew com- complete, you know, to keep them in the rally or to keep them moving or whatever? Uh, seen a few, to be fair. Um, <laughs> OJ did a very impressive fix in Turkey with a ratchet strap. You know, um, but the best one I've seen was probably Elvin Evans. I think it was 2015. Your a arm snapped and uh, you know no one else would have bought the car back but he got a spanner out of the toolkit two jubilee clips and joined it up with the spanner and, oh, unbelievable uh-huh. car drove back to service <laughs> we did not know until we seen it how the hell he had done it but oh it was impressive but uh-huh. oh, very mechanically minded and yes you know it didn't even take him too much time to think of the fix he had the spanner actually beat into the a-arm so it was actually inside the tube and then that didn't really work so he put another spanner on the outside and two jubilee clips around it got him back to service so yeah fairly impressive yes (laughs) your favorite rally to work on uh uh, i would say mexico Mm -hmm. you know just it just has a bit of everything yes you know nice it had nice hotels it had a fantastic service park. You know, there was a lot of activity there with the spectators. It had the weather, you know, stages, had a good schedule, everything about it. You know, good food, good nightlife. So definitely had everything, ticked all the boxes. Yeah. And then to find your proudest day you know, in your rallying career up to this point? Um, it's hard to say because... Definitely 2017, you know, winning the home rally with Elvin, sitting on the roof of that car with him has to be the proudest day. But mm-hmm. for me personally, winning rallies with my team is, you know, just a bigger a bigger thing for me. You know, we won mm-hmm. that, the bushwhacker there with Paddy, you know, means a lot. And I'm sure with Declan Boyle, we still have plenty of days to come. That, mm-hmm. You know, we're going to make good memories too, you know. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Adam, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's been such a, no a joy listening to the story. So thank you very much. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't bore you too much. Not a bit, not a bit. <laughs> that was Adam Platt and myself, Kevin Goodnanen, talking rallying. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, can you please like and share it across all social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, etc. It would be gratefully appreciated. Also on YouTube and on my own website, the Crunching Gears Podbean account, There's the whole bike catalogue. There's some fascinating stories there. So until the next time, take care, speak soon, and bye.